Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 33. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. Before I get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank my sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BU Period Patches. They are 100% natural, sort of like plasters, long plasters, um, that kind of stretch along your abdomen or you could put them on your hips or your lower back. I imagine you could even like put them across your um, shoulder blades, to be honest, if you were getting a, a sore, sore shoulder like I do um, from, you know, working at a laptop. Um, the way they work is the plaster, I'm just going to call it a plaster, or it's a patch, are soaked with menthol and eucalyptus essential oils. Um, and these oils are scientifically proven to reduce muscle cramps and pain. Um, when you put them on your skin, they soak through into the muscles. And personally, for me, I find that they begin working within oh, 20, 20 minutes. And then I I think I begin to feel optimum relief at about 45 minutes, sometimes sooner. And then they last for 12 hours. And really, once I've got them on, that's kind of it. For the next 12 hours, I don't really, yeah, I, I just feel good. I feel fine. And I know that a lot of people also feel the same. Of course, we are all different. So they might, you know, they might work less for you than they do for me. Or, you know, they might be amazing. They might work for you within 10 minutes. Um, but that's my personal experience with them they're discreet um they're very affordable and you can wear them onto your clothes because they're really thin so you don't have to worry about you know bulky wires or um just the problem of trying to carry a hot water bottle around or drawing attention to yourself because you've got something under your clothes um especially if you're at work each pack contains five patches so in theory they should last for the majority of your period depending on the length of your um of your menstrual cycle so you know you might need more you or you might need less I tend to use half a packet per period um they are 6.99 for a pack a one-off pack or for or 4.49 if you go for a subscription to shop just head to the link in my bio um not my bio <laughs> think about instagram in my show notes and start saving period cramps the natural way this show is also supported by Onut. Onut is the new intimate wearable designed to act like a buffer during sex that helps with relieving painful sex and allowing you to control penetration so that you're comfortable. The Onut is, like it sounds, like rubber donut rings that are stackable so that you can kind of choose the penetration depth that you that you would like. Um, Ona always recommends starting with free. Uh, the partner, your partner wears them. And so many men and women say that they can't feel the owner, um, except for the fact that sex isn't painful anymore. So the the feedback from endometriosis sufferers is amazing. Um, obviously we're all different, so this might work for you to an extent, but you could also find that pelvic floor therapy is something else that you need to do alongside the owner. Um, I've tried owner. I really liked it and I'm, yeah, I'm quite early on into using it. So I'm looking forward to trying it again. If you would like to try out owner for yourself, you can get 15% off with code JD2019. So J for Jessica, D for Duffin, all caps 2019 um, in one one word, one code. Um, just enter that at checkout and use the link in my show notes to shop. So yeah, this is my second solo show. And it's kind of it's kind of part two, really. I mean, I've I've named them differently, but it, it is a part two from last week. So for you, for those of you who haven't listened to last week's episode, it might be helpful to go back. Um, last week's episode was about my experience with endometriosis symptoms and um, medical history and the treatment that I received and kind of the catalyst for going down an alternative healing route. And today's episode is really about, no, I keep referring it to it as my healing journey. That doesn't mean um, that I'm cured and 
it doesn't mean that, um, yeah, that I no longer have endometriosis. I could say my management journey, but it just, you know, it sounds clunky. I often do talk about managing symptoms, but I feel like the journey, the experience that I've gone through to manage my symptoms is more of a healing. And I think as I explain this, what I went through, I think you will understand why I'm using that term. But it's definitely not healing as in um, cured. There are magpies and crows having a fight outside my window. Um, so <laughs> they're making weird noises. So I'm going to recap a little bit. Um, so some of you kind of know this. But my, my, ex- my healing journey really started fully in, in Cape Town when I was there for couple of months um I had come to this point where um the referral had taken a really long time for my second surgery and now I'd had a call from the hospital saying that I missed my operation even though I had deferred my operation so um or at least the, the hospital had told me they had deferred it but they obviously didn't so I was desperate for answers and I had been prior to this because I knew that I could have a long wait like if I've deferred it I didn't like I was going to be away for six months so I'd started doing a little bit of reading but it I hadn't really made any changes yet but I was I was eating healthy and I was like invested in my health by this point I'd also had some blood tests. I had like a lot of um, stomach issues and allergies. So I had some blood tests and I was in Cape Town and um, my results came back and I was severely intolerant to dairy and um, intolerant to gluten and a couple of other things that aren't really that relevant. So that was kind of my push to begin the anti-inflammatory diet and take it seriously because I think my the things that were really stopping me from the anti-inflammatory diet was like gluten and dairy. I was like, oh God, what the hell am I going to eat? But I wanted to go vegan anyway. I was already vegetarian. I wanted to go vegan anyway. And I just not had done it. I just, I just didn't have the, yeah, I just hadn't done it yet. I hadn't committed to it. Um, so now I knew that these things were really not helping me. So, um, and were, you know, really damaging my digestive system. Like, I was getting really sick. So I kind of was like, well, I have no choice. And now this is a good opportunity to manage my endometriosis symptoms. I found out about uh, the endometriosis diet from a blog. by I can't remember who it was. Um, I think it probably still exists, but it was one of you. And I kind of uh, got from that that, um foods like red meat processed fats processed foods gluten sugar dairy caffeine could all I probably missed some out there could all heighten inflammation and that soy had been linked in previous studies to increasing estrogen levels and that wasn't going to help with endometriosis because endo thrives off estrogen so um what was really good at that time is that I think Cape Town was kind of ahead of us in terms of health food places. There weren't really many prior to me leaving the UK. But whilst I was there, um, there was quite a lot of places popping up in um, in South Africa. I and also what also what also inspired me was that um, my godmother had had bowel cancer. I won't go into it in a lot of detail because I just I don't want to start talking about cancer and giving people the wrong impression and ideas and stuff. But um, part of her healing journey was following a really specific diet. So we really discussed that and I was really inspired by her story. You know, I, I am a realist, so I don't think that. Um, not not realist, but I'm just I'm, I'm not going to tell you that diet cures endometriosis or cancer but I think that we are not paying enough attention to the foods that we eat and how they're making us feel and the diseases that they can cause or worsen so there was loads of good coffee in Cape Town and I love coffee so at one point we were like having three cups of coffee a day so I wasn't eating vegan I wasn't vegan by that at that time but 
prior to getting the diagnosis, I was starting to make vegan cakes and stuff like that, like healthier versions, like dates and using maple syrup and stuff, but um, still high in sugar. So I was making stuff like that all the time. Um, and I think like both of us put on like a stone <laughs> whilst we were there. And um, yeah, so I, I was eating a lot of sugar and a lot of caffeine um, and a lot of bread, I would say. Yeah, definitely a lot of bread, a lot of rye bread. So I did one month of no dairy, um, no refined or added sugar. Um, I didn't cut out fruit. I definitely cut down on all of the like sugary things that I made. Um, but I'm not 100% sure if I like completely eliminated like I don't because I remember making a little like raw chocolate whilst we were in Cape Town but I can't remember if that was like prior to starting like the endo diet which by the way is like a loose term there's not like a set endo diet or if I just made a little bit of raw chocolate every now and then so but I definitely cut out like completely cut out refined sugar and massively cut down my sugar content uh, intake to probably like if I did eat any it would be unrefined in the form of like dates or maple syrup and it would have been or like coconut sugar and it would have just been like a treat at the weekend like one you know one or two things at the weekend um no caffeine so I cut cut down on caffeine uh completely I think um from my memory of being of like climbing up the walls and what I found was even though there was loads of vegan places Breakfast was really easy if we ate out for breakfast, but lunch and dinner if we ate out was a bit more difficult because I couldn't always find a dish that was gluten-free and dairy-free. It was kind of like one or the other. By the way, this also includes eggs because a lot of eggs, like there's a lot of hormones that go into the process of um, like factory-raised chickens and stuff and you could go organic, uh, but I mean, there's still some debate around that, but um, I wanted to go vegan anyway, so it made sense for me. So this didn't include egg either. Sometimes it struggled, sometimes it struggled. So because my dairy intolerance was, was worse than my gluten intolerance, I would, if I had to have a dish that was one or the other, I went for the non-dairy dish. Um, but I, I think I did quite a good job of keeping both like as minimal as possible, but I'm pretty sure I didn't touch dairy again from that point. Yeah, so that period was insane. Like there was, I'm pretty sure, like I want to say there was no pain, but um, in case like I'm remembering that incorrectly and somewhere I've said it was like a one or a two, it was incredibly low on the pain level scale. Um, and it was just like a miracle, like I couldn't believe it. And I think that's when something really clicked in my head, like, like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I have been in agony for years now, and the doctors are telling me there's nothing they can do, but I've done one month of changing my diet, and the excruciating pain that Coldemol couldn't touch is gone. And that's, I think, I got really passionate at that point, and I felt pretty angry at that. I'd suffered so unnecessarily just because the medical system doesn't acknowledge the role that diet can play in managing chronic diseases. That really made me mad. So, um, yeah, so it was the best period. It was brilliant. I was also doing at the time a lot of spiritual healing and stress relief techniques. So um, I'd had a lot of losses um, and obviously we were in Cape Town because of the death of my godfather. And I had a very big gaping hole because of that. So part of being in Cape Town was about healing. You know, I, I kind of visited quite a few spiritual groups that my godfather was involved in, in one way or another. And heard stories about him and did things like Tai Chi with them and... um there was a really beautiful kind of ceremony about him um, that was kind of involved singing and very, it was very spiritual. And I was doing a lot of mindfulness. I was trying different things like 
tarot cards and bird reading. Sorry, I've got like oracle cards that are bird cards. Bird card readings, um, just a lot of quite deep spiritual talks with my godmother. Um, and what's the other thing that I was doing last we were there? Oh, uh, gosh, what's it called? Jinsen Jitsu, which is kind of like Reiki and a bit like acupuncture. It involves, um, there's probably like practitioners out there like, no, it's nothing like that. Sorry if I've got it wrong, but it, it involves holding different, putting pressure with your hands on different points in your body and um, I guess releasing or activating energy. So I was doing a lot of that. Um, I learned that from my godmother. Yeah, that was, I think, very helpful for me to begin bringing down my stress levels, which was making my inflammation worse, which was making my pain worse, and also um, bring down the emotional pain that I was experiencing, which was also helping with alleviating depression and anxiety. So after Cape Town, um, I continued with my exploration of the endo diet primarily at this point. Um, so I picked up Take Control of Your Endometriosis by Henrietta Norton. I love that book. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it's brilliant. And I didn't follow everything to a T because I'd read another book um, which wasn't brilliantly written, so I'm not going to like name names, but um, I'd kind of already implemented some of those changes. So I was already doing this anti-inflammatory diet and I found that take control of your endometriosis really helped me to understand the science of why I'd made those changes. But there were things in the book like um, eating organic white meat and fish that I wasn't going to do because I don't eat meat um, and eating organic eggs and stuff. So most of it correlated what, with what I was doing anyway. And it was really good to understand that from a science point of view. And there was so much research and Henrietta is you know a nutritionist and really knows her stuff and yeah there's tons of research it's brilliant um and it was that book really which helped me to um understand the symptoms of endometriosis more and the link with um intolerances and allergies and nutrient deficiencies and why and what kind of nutrients will help and what kind of herbs can help and why your lifestyle can affect endometriosis it really gave me a thorough knowledge of that I still go to I go back to this book all the time like on a weekly basis I revisit this book it was really it was brilliant for that what I found was after my initial success with my first amazing period I found it harder to stick to the endo diet after that I think the and and I still do to a degree like my kryptonite is coffee and sugar and um I'm going to talk more about those two and how they affect endometriosis in another podcast episode but for me they are real triggers for me but they're like my favorite things like I don't smoke I don't drink it was really easy to like give up alcohol I wasn't really giving up anything because I'd stopped drinking like not stopped like oh I need to stop but I just just didn't really drink anymore I don't take drugs, so like my my kind of vices are sugar and, and caffeine. I would definitely say like I have a caffeine addiction and I can easily fall back into that really, really easily. So perhaps it's going to be something that I have to manage forever as part of like the endo diet, but I still allow myself to have like a delicious decaf coffee, like, you know, at the weekends and stuff. But sometimes I get into a cycle where I'm like, that was nice, I'm going to have another one. And then like before I know it, it's like Thursday and I've been having two cups of coffee a day. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's what I mean by like addictive. Like I have a taste and then I just want more and I manage to like tell myself all the reasons why it's okay to have more. I found that I could do the majority of the endometriosis diet. I could do it 80%. But then there was this 20% where I would like, I don't want you guys to be judging yourself. So I don't want to say the word screw up or like, I just can't think of another way to say it right now. But yeah, so like, I don't think you have to be perfect to do the endometriosis diet. Again, I'm using that term loosely. To eat for endo, I don't think you have to be perfect. And I'm certainly not. 
But at that time, any time that I came off track with eating for endo, I knew about it. And I was doing, I was doing a surgery anyway. I was going back through this process, this referral process with a different hospital and I was hoping to have excision. And I think that, that was the thing that kept reminding me, like, you need surgery. Like, it's back. There's something going on here. It's growing back. Because I could manage it as long as I was perfect in what I was eating. But the moment sugar touched my lips or coffee touched my lips, the pain was back. And that, that basically showed itself in during my cycle, I had no pain. Where before I started this um, eating this way, I had like a low level line of low, low line level of pain. That's the way I was supposed to say it. Um, kind of like any time during my cycle, whenever it wanted to show itself. Bladder pain as well. So once I had changed my diet, that went away. But um, my period pain was probably at like, oh gosh, three to a four. But then it was a three to a four when I was like near on perfect. But I never reached the level that I got when I first tried it that first month. That was a zero or one, something like that. But I had been really, really, really perfect with that. And um, I'm just kind of thinking back because I was saying earlier that maybe I'd like let a few things slip. But now I think about it. I don't think I did at all. I wish I had. I wish I'd kept a diary. But anyway, um, this is why I keep a diary, guys. <laughs> so helpful. I'd never really been able to commit in the same way that I had in that first month. So three and a four. Brilliant. That's brilliant level as far as I concerned. I was concerned because I was I was level ten, but what was happening is, if I slipped up and had like a coffee, that week of my period or sugar that week of my period, it even got to the point where if I had rice, anything that was high in carbs and obviously converted into glucose, I knew about it. Like I had to stop drinking rice milk. Like it was really intense. Like I even like couldn't eat oats on the day of my period anything high carby sweet potato that was out the window so it literally got to the point where I could have done everything perfectly that whole month and my period started really good well period was really really low in pain and then I was like mm, I'm feeling okay I'm going to make a turmeric milk latte because I know turmeric reduces inflammation uh, and I'm going to use almond milk, but the almond milk has a bit of rice in. So I've some some milks, you can check the side, they use rice, it naturally sweetens it. And then I'd be in crippling pain. Or I'd have a decaf coffee a couple of days before my period and I'd be in crippling pain by the time my period came around. And I knew instinctively, like, if I hadn't had that bloody coffee, like, I would have, you know, I, I would have been better than this. And kind of I tested it out. I mean, I, I kind of deliberately put myself in pain sometimes to see the difference of the way that I reacted. And yeah, I mean, I'm so sensitive to diet. I'm not so much anymore. I mean, I am. But because of the fact that I needed surgery at that point, I think like my endo needed being controlled like 100%. So I'd made massive progress, but all it took was kind of a little treat and then all of that good work had been undone and I think that's what I was just so I don't know what the word is disappointed by that I could do so much work and then one little thing which sometimes didn't have any control over um because maybe someone served me the wrong drink or the wrong meal or I was under pressure to eat a certain thing because someone else made it for me um, would send me backwards yeah so I and also at the time I was um, dealing with so I kind of alleviated a lot of my emotional baggage when I was in Cape Town and I felt better mentally but then when I returned to my job it all kind of came back the depression the anxiety the fatigue and it really took its toll I think that didn't help with the pain. I think that that caused it to become worse. I had found natural pain relief 
So I was drinking things like cat's claw, ginger. I had tens machine. I had magnesium spray. I had heat packs. Um, I was finding some really useful ways to manage my pain. But one thing that I was also doing is I wouldn't let myself take painkillers because I wanted to see if what I was doing was working. So those times when it was really, really bad, when it, I would let it get that bad because I wanted to see how bad it got. And I don't think that, that I, I don't think that that was helpful. I think it's great that I had these natural pain relief options that worked. They really, really worked. And I'm going to talk about more of those later. But I think I put my body through unnecessary suffering where like, I, you know, one painkiller wasn't going to like crazily harm my body or my liver. And I think one of the reasons why I was reluctant to take painkillers is because I'd taken so many beforehand and um, I also had had the car accident and I'd been on a lot of morphine and then I'd been on a lot of tramadol. And so the past like five, six, maybe even seven years, painkillers had been quite a big part of my life. And I had had, this is going to sound really crazy, guys, but, um, I, but I told you this was about healing. I went to a guy, um, like an energy healer, and um, I had someone with me um, who was standing facing me. So I could see her, but I couldn't see the healer. And he had his hands, he was going over my back. And um, he stopped over where my break was in my in my back and he said you've got a lot of pain here you've got massive block of energy here um something's happened here it's very like it's very destructive like you've been damaged and then he very quickly said turn around show me your hands show him my hands and he said do you drink a lot of alcohol and I was like no no no, not not at all and he was like you're taking a lot of painkillers and I was like yes and he was like you need to stop your liver is struggling is under so much pressure from the painkillers that you're putting into your body. And I was like, whoa, like how the hell does this guy know this? You know, he knew where my damage was in my back and and he wasn't touching me, by the way. He was just hovering his hands over my body. Um, and I was just sitting in a chair. I wasn't lying down or anything. Um, so call that what you will, but... I took it as enough to be like, it kind of made me review how much I had been taking painkillers and made me want to change that. So that was kind of part of it, why I didn't take painkillers. So I changed my job, um, but I went into a job that was like a hundred times more stressful. But I had reduced my days to three days a week. So this is something that, um, I'm not talking, none of, none of what I'm talking about is about me recommending that you do it. This is all about sharing my story and, um, you making decisions on what works for you. But in my mind, I felt that stress was having a significant role in my health, um, and my mental health, my physical and my mental health. And I felt very frustrated with the job that I was in. And, um, I also didn't have the energy to do a normal nine to five, five days a week. So I um, basically took a job that was three days a week. So even though like by contract, my salary was higher, I actually took a 10 grand job drop. Um, and then I'm just going to fast forward a little bit just to give you an idea of how I like worked all of this. And then I left um, because that was like, I'll explain it, but it was making me very ill. And then I um, took a job that was completely different from any job I'd done before. And I took it to kind of give me a break and just to kind of give my brain a break. It, it wasn't working in charity. It wasn't working with people who were calling up and feeling suicidal, etc. So that was, was it four days a week? It was four days a week, but it was a, it was another drop in salary. So no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a slight rise in salary. But then I eventually got to the conclusion that, you know what, I want to go self-employed eventually anyway. I want to work for myself again, because obviously in the beginning I worked 
I was self-employed as a stylist and um, a magazine owner. But I was kind of forced into a position where I had to leave that job. And so I took it as an opportunity to start my self-employed adventure. But that, (laughs) I just did my tax a little while ago, so I know. So if you go back to that first job that I left after Cape Town, and that was my highest paying job yet, that was 15 grand drop in salary. And I wasn't being paid a lot in the first place. Um, I wasn't being paid badly, but I wasn't being paid a lot by any means. So I have made some really, really big sacrifices for my health. And I can't say they've always paid off. Um, I probably would have dealt with the money side differently. Funny enough, not with the self-employed stuff. I mean, you know, I've taken a massive hit financially, but um, every month I make money and I've never had a month where I've not like made enough. Like there's always, there's definitely like, I always want to make more, but um, it's, it's always worked out in one way or another. Um, and, but I think the middle two jobs, um, caused me a lot, a lot of stress and I couldn't pay all of my bills. So I had to be pay. I had to pay for things like my food shopping on my credit card. So I got into debt just to kind of pay my basic needs. And that caused me a lot of stress because I'm not really a person who's comfortable with debt. Um, but at the time it seemed like a necessary thing to do. and um maybe I would have done that maybe I would do that again um but I just think it caused me a hell of a lot of stress which kind of defeated the object of me taking a a job that I thought was less stressful (laughs) so I think you just need to consider how comfortable you are with minimizing your income I don't think you can't do it I think you definitely can but I just think you have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable if you're going to do it right so you're gonna you're gonna have to get comfortable with earning less you're gonna have to get comfortable with cutting back on things or um getting in debt for a little while and working out a plan of how to pay that off so anyway that that's that so yeah so I changed jobs this new job was crazy stressful and was making me feel a hell of a lot worse um so during this time my surgery came up And I felt, so I, from reading Take Control of Your Endometriosis and probably some other research, I found loads of incredible ways to reduce the inflammation and prepare my body for surgery so that I would recover better. When I came back around from this surgery, I just felt really, I mean, I was tired, but I felt quite normal. I didn't have a swollen stomach. Um, I wasn't in a lot of pain. Um, and I, I, my blood pressure dipped and stuff. But um, other than that, I felt quite well. And I took a full two weeks off. And I went from feeling what I would do is I'd be like, oh, I've got energy now. I'm going to move around, gently move around. I got up basically and started moving my body a lot earlier than the last time I was like I I couldn't move and I think I prolonged that by then not moving and then when I needed to rest I rested and then when I wanted to get up I got up and I kind of yo-yoed between those two yeah and I ate really well I continued to eat really well so after that I thought I think part of me was like oh I can take a break a little bit of a break from the endometriosis diet But I also wanted to test whether it worked, like the surgery worked. Um, So I I mean, I didn't go back to dairy or anything, but I think gluten probably slipped in when I when I say that I relax more. It's like I I haven't bought dairy or gluten really since I started doing the endometriosis diet. I would never pick up like gluten spaghetti over non-gluten right it's that's not it's like a habit now but I would go to like a farmer's market and be like oh sourdough bread and I would like I I would 
sometimes buy that out and then have like a brunch at home or I'd go out and have brunch and have avocado on toast and if they didn't have any gluten-free bread I'd be like oh, okay well I have the sourdough I guess I have to have the sourdough right so that was now it's much easier because gluten-free bread has really progressed and I've also learned how to make my own sourdough gluten-free sourdough that is so yeah I've just really progressed with that but that's what I mean when I mean like I, I was a little bit more slack and more like coffee at the weekends and um and also decaf weirdly enough I mean this is only a couple of years ago decaf was a lot harder to find then um so the weekends might include caffeinated coffee um sugar that kind of stuff not never really refined sugar always unrefined but still sugar right then there was no change there was no change in my pain um it was still the same every month and I was like right okay so because what I wanted to do was strip down strip back my management tools to see whether the surgery had made a difference but it hadn't so then I continued kind of like managing it like a 70 30 maybe right 70% managing 30% like not managing and I just I just felt the same I just felt this same level of pain like there was no reduction um there wasn't an increase from before the surgery but there definitely wasn't a reduction so it was at that six month point that I went back and they were like oh yeah we lasered it there's probably cells left so I was like great given that we know that my body really responds to the cells like no matter how many there are like that wasn't a great idea um no idea why they didn't excise it out when they know how to do that but there you go at that point I was like right I really need to up my game I really need to get back on it and um I'm just gonna research the hell out of this and um yeah and I did Just to remind you that this show is supported by BU Period Patches and I wanted to share with you yet another testimonial from an endometriosis warrior who is finding that BU Period Patches are really working for her. First things first, thank you all caps. Your patches are amazing. They have changed the way I deal with my endo pain. Usually I would just take painkillers as soon as the pain started but now I can put on a patch or two and they kick in within 10 minutes. Triple exclamation marks, by the way. I expected it to be a warm sensation, but it's more cooling and, and a bit tingly. I love them. Thank you so, so much. We'll definitely be using these in the future. So I'm still kind of astounded myself about how much these are helping endometriosis sufferers. I find it kind of mind-blowing that we have all of this, you know, modern medicine and painkillers aren't working for people, but for eucalyptus oil is. Um, I think that it's really promising and I think it's showing us that there are other options out there. And if it's making you guys feel better, I mean, that's that's good enough for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm so happy that they exist. If you would like to try a BU, then just head to the link in my show notes. Um, and the price is 6 99 for a one-off pack which gives you five um or 4 99 if you opt for a subscription so again the link is in my show notes head to their website to shop and start saving period cramps the natural way this episode is also supported by ona ona is the intimate wearable that is redefining painful sex i also have a testimonial from someone who also suffers with a chronic condition that i thought i'd share with you I just used my own up for the first time with my husband. We have been married for almost seven years. I have a retroverted uterus and interstitial cystitis. God, I know how that feels. And sex has always been, has always had some pain associated with it. I have the IST under control, but my tilted uterus has always given me trouble and there are many positions we cannot do because it just plain hurts. Tonight we had, all caps, pain-free sex. I can't believe it. Thank you so much for creating a product that allows people such as me to be able to enjoy sex in a way I never dreamed possible. Your product was comfortable for my husband and I couldn't even feel it. He said it was the best sex ever. Your product is truly life-changing. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I'm sure many of you guys know how 
difficult, painful, awkward, just emotionally draining and exhausting painful sex can be. And I just think Emily is revolutionizing, um, yeah, the way that we think about sex, the way that we talk about sex and the way that we have sex. And I'm just so impressed that this project product is so simple and yet is changing lives all over the world. So if you would like to try um, Own It Out for yourself, you guys can get 15% off by using the code JD2019, all caps, one code, one word. Um, just use the link in my show notes. And by using that link and using the code, you are helping to support the podcast. Thank you so much. It was that kind of conscious decision and commitment to it that led me to begin seeing this reduction in pain and uh, started fading slowly. Um, And then I kind of got to a point where I felt like I hit like a plateau, like um, most of the time I was probably at like a two when I was on my period. I didn't have pain during the week, uh, during the week, during the month. Um, but I felt like I couldn't, that was like, what's missing? Something's missing. Like I can't move forward here. And, um, I was then offered by a company to trial their new turmeric supplements. Um, so I was like, cool. Like, you know, I use turmeric quite a lot, um, because it's associated with being, um, an anti-inflammatory. It's not, I don't know how much scientific proof there is, but I know a lot of people who respond really well to turmeric. So I tried it and I tried three months worth of it. The first month, I also had something called rapid transformational therapy. It's a form of hypnotherapy that deep dives into the subconscious, pulls up the three key memories that are affecting you on a physical and a mental level and um, helps you reprogram how you think about those and kind of heals the trauma that's associated with those. Now, I had that to help with quite a lot of things. Um, I really felt like I had a money block, like a mental money block. Um, I come from a really, really working class family of very little money and we all struggled. And... Um, I grew up being like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to struggle, but I've never really, I've never been able to exceed a certain income. I felt like I really needed to release whatever like pattern I was caught in around money and the way that I thought I was capable of earning money. And then, um, stress, highly stressed and anxious person. Like my baseline level is stressed essentially. And that wasn't going to help my endometriosis. And um, I think there's kind of some, I think I have a sexual and some kind of energetic spiritual block that's associated with like me, my femininity and my my womanhood. And um, I had a lot of thoughts and feelings that I couldn't really, I'm not sure where they came from. I wasn't sure where the memories were from, whether they were my memories or someone else's. So I wanted to kind of do some healing on that level to see if it made a difference to my mental health, but also my physical health, because, um, you know, I find it incredible that science in particular, well, not, there are studies actually, there are huge studies showing that things like isolation and depression have a massive um, uh, impact on our health, our physical health. But I think a lot of us walk around believing that there's two separate entities but our brain lives in our bodies. Like it's not like encaged in some kind of, you know, glass ball that doesn't allow anything out into it. Like I think whatever was going on in my mind was affecting my body. So I had this rapid transformational therapy um, and I didn't really feel like the actual session was very successful. I didn't like the woman who I worked with um and I was really really anxious so that made hypnotherapy a bit more difficult but I had to do 21 days of listening to the tape afterwards the recording and I really dedicated myself to that 
I was also taking my turmeric supplements religiously. And that period, I had no pain. I was on, um, I was on a break with my friend and um, I hadn't felt like I was due on. I hadn't really felt anything. I woke up in the morning and I um, went to the toilet and realized I was bleeding. And I was like, shit, shit, shit. Like, this is going to be really bad. So I like put like my magnesium spray on straight away. I like did all the things. I took a magnesium supplement. Um, I took one paracetamol and then I breathed, like, you know, I braced myself. I was like, okay, don't want this to ruin the day. And nothing happened. And I was like, this is weird. And then like midday, I felt a slight twinge and I was like, oh, quick spray magnesium, take another par- paracetamol, like one paracetamol. And it was like unnecessary that I even took it because it was like this one twinge and then it went away. And then that was it. Like I was fine. The rest of my period was fine. And I was like, wow, like, is this a turmeric? Is it a fluke? Like, was it because I was so determined to enjoy myself? Like, what was it? So I continued with the turmeric supplements for another two months. I had a three-month trial. Same happened. Then I started taking the endo, the endo complex by Wild Nutrition. And that is a um, supplement to help balance out hormone levels, help reduce inflammation, um, help reduce fatigue. Like it's designed for endometriosis. It's not going to heal you, but it's designed to help you manage endometriosis. So um, I started taking that and again, no pain, um, felt great. And then following that, I felt like I was in a place where I had cracked the puzzle of my way of managing endo. That like I felt, okay, I'm doing all of these things with an anti-inflammatory diet. And now I'm adding the correct supplements into my lifestyle that there are so many supplements you could take with endometriosis um and I've definitely I I take quite a few still but they're really overwhelming and there's so many that could support your liver and there's so many that could support like reducing your inflammation so taking a supplement that was designed for endometriosis by the person who wrote the book take control your endometriosis made me feel much more um, I was safe in the knowledge that I was in good hands and I think those nutrients in those supplements were just what I needed to go that extra um, mile with, with my pain relief so I mean perhaps the hypnotherapy had a, an impact I really can't say I'm not sure but um, yeah so I now felt that I was kind of ready to take it further and optimize my cycle. I had somehow stumbled across Elisa Vitti. Um, I think that's how you pronounce her name. And Woman Code, her book Woman Code. I think what probably led me down that path was I started the book club, End of Life Book Club, and I'm a, my sincere apologies for not picking that back up um so there was lots that I wanted to read to understand my cycle more but I think I knew that if I that I could I was still struggling with the fatigue the brain fog and the low moods like bad PMS so I just felt like I could do more with my cycle understand my body more I was no longer reducing pain managing symptoms but I wanted to like optimize my body I wanted to feel like I've never felt before in a sense of I had been operating at such a a low level of energy for such a long time and I wanted to see what it was like to you know operate at a normal level so I read Woman Code and um, that's a very big broad subject to cover but so what I but what I essentially done was manage my blood sugar levels, which is difficult, really difficult, I have to say, and um, eat for my cycle. So there were certain foods that I eat more of 
within each phase of my cycle. And really the first couple of months that I was doing that, I, I have struggled recently to do it given everything that we've had going on. First couple of months I was doing it, I have had more energy than I've had in years. Um, I felt so much more stable. Um, my periods, like I could see the difference in my periods. My periods became a little bit longer. The color changed. And when I looked up like the different colors, like it was saying that like your hormone balance was really good. My PMS went away. Um, my brain fog was clearing up. I was just feeling really um, like not perfect, but so much better. Um, and I've read incredible success stories about that. And I think part of one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is because this hormone balance. So balancing your blood sugar is essentially balancing your hormones because every time your blood sugar is imbalanced, your hormones become imbalanced. Um, so that can exasperate conditions like endometriosis. So I didn't want to be feeding into my endometriosis. Like if I can go without having another surgery, great. But I mean, I'm not going to resist one if I need it. But if I can prove, if I can do what I can to keep endometriosis at bay, then of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and that's kind of how I eat. I still eat for my cycle every week, but, um, I'm not that great with balancing my blood sugar at the moment and I need to get back on that. That has been difficult and I have noticed my fatigue return since not balancing my blood sugar. But where I'm at now, other than the um, blood sugar issue, is I'm trying to kind of essentially biohack. <laughs> so biohack is kind of using I mean I think some people use drugs but a lot like I think it's mainly to talk about like natural substances um to optimize your cognitive function and your body's capabilities so um if you follow my Instagram you know that I've been kind of taking a lot of medicinal mushrooms so I've been using lion's mane and cordyceps to raise my energy levels and um, improve my cognitive function and I can tell you a hundred percent that they work for me um, I know they work for other people as well um, but I think it's been incredible I've never felt sharper in my life um, and I, I don't know what normal feels like but this is what this is like the most normal I think I have ever felt I'm like having good periods um, and I'm being able to think pretty clearly like I still like you probably notice it in how I talk like I still can be a bit slow but um or forget words but I can it's not like this crippling brain fog where I just almost like this fog descends over my brain and I cannot think in any way you know I just can't even perform a normal function I forget everything it's not like that anymore the cordyceps are for the energy the brain fog is for your brain brain fog <laughs> the lion's mane is for your brain and I mean lion's mane is being used in Alzheimer's research at the moment because it's it's shown to regrow brain neurons I think that's the terminology that they used so have a look into that that's super fascinating cordyceps supply more oxygen to your blood and therefore more oxygen to your cells so you have more energy I definitely feel like I'm more energized for with cordyceps um, but I don't feel more energized overall, right? So I'm still waking up tired and stuff and my, my energy level still fluctuates. So that's why I really want to get back on this blood sugar balancing thing so that I have a stable level of energy and I don't have to take cordyceps. I'm going to take cordyceps because they're good for me. They're full of antioxidants. They're delivering more oxygen to my blood, which is great, more oxygen to my brain, etc. But I don't want to have to rely on them to give me energy, right? Is what I mean. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at on an energetic level, like an energy level with uh, fatigue and brain fog. I've noticed that um, since coming off the blood sugar balancing, um, I think my hormones are messed up again because I'm getting a weird PMS cramping. So I'm getting more cramping in the week leading up to my period than I do on my period. I'm, I'm pretty much not getting anything on my period. Maybe like 
because I've not been great, like eating, like where we've been stressed in our personal lives recently, I have had a few more coffees and sugary things and stuff. So my pain is like crept up to a two, but I'm kind of like, well, I know that, like I knew what I did. So like I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, I think this month is probably going to be like the best period that I've had this year because I've been really like on it this month. But yeah, since not doing the blood sugar balancing, like I've been getting this weird low level cramping in my PM PMS phase, my premenstrual phase, um, which is more so than what I would get during my period. And that's really weird. I've never had that before. So I'm not sure what that is. Um, I'm irritable again during my premenstrual phase. Um, lower energy. Just, yeah, just premenstrual. And I got rid of it. And we don't have to endure it. So, um, you know, we can improve it. There are things we can do to improve it. So I just want to get back on that blood sugar balancing and balancing my hormones. And then... Um, the other thing that I would really like to do, but it it might be difficult in the UK, especially given that I live in Margate, is get some pelvic floor therapy because um, I still experience pain during sex, not all the time, but um, I do. And from my research and my conversations in podcast episodes um, prior to this, I think it's to do with kind of trauma and tension from the pain that I've gone through. Um, with endometriosis in the past and also my car accident so I can eat the best food in the world but that's not necessarily going to release the muscle tension that I've got going on so um, I don't actually have like the resources to pay like the, the finances to pay for that right now but it's definitely on my radar and I need to find someone it's a lot more common in the US I think to be able to get pelvic floor therapy so I need to do some research but you will know from the conversations that I'm having on my podcast that I am really interested in that as an area of healing at the moment. And I'm doing a lot of healing on a, like a sexual level um, and just kind of reconnecting with like my womb and my vagina in a way that's not like, oh, I'm just trying to treat you, but more like how can I not just see it as a source of like pain, but also a source of pleasure and even though I don't want children, just, oh, this is, this, this is kind of my center of creativity and just connect with it, you know, just not, just have a bit more of a connection with such a important part of my body. Um, so that's some healing that I'm doing. Um, and I can't really talk about it much right now because I can't, I feel like it's going to be a long process and I haven't really I feel like you've heard everything that I've done in terms of healing in the previous episodes that I've had with Eleanor and Heba so you know have a listen back to those if you haven't and that's really where I'm at I think I'm I would say I'm generally like I mean if you've around if you were around to like three months ago when I was kind of a bit more on it with blood sugar and stuff before life went crazy um but even now like I could I can roughly group it all together because I know why I'm slightly worse right now I know the reasons um but I I feel like I'm the absolute best I've been with endometriosis um since before you know those four years prior to diagnosis um and even going back I think I'm probably gosh I think my brain is feeling sharper than it has done in I can't remember really when I last felt this sharp I definitely have days where I struggle, but the amount of days that I'm getting relief, I don't remember. I don't remember when I last had that. I'm not really worried about my period. I think about it because I write about endo all day, right? Like, you know, that's what I do, but I'm constantly monitoring my period and my health, but I'm not worried about it in the sense of like, oh God, what's it going to be like this month? Like, I kind of trust that yeah, I ate this this month. It's probably going to be maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be a one or a two on the pain scale. Or actually, I've done really well this month. It's probably going to be a zero. Like, I'm not really, I'm not in fear of it anymore. And I'm not worried that, like, it's going to interrupt my life like it did. Oh, two key things that I've missed that I really should have talked about. 
is that I haven't just started eating for my cycle. I started working with my cycle. So um, I read Lisa Lister's book, Code Red and Woman Code, and both of them talk about living in harmony with your cycle. So I kind of exercise differently depending on where I am in my cycle. I am more compassionate with myself depending on where I'm in my cycle. I do certain tasks at different points in my cycle. And I really understand what my hormones are doing in each part of my cycle. So I just have an awareness of why I'm behaving like I'm behaving and what I can do about that. That's been a massive thing. And I want to understand that more. That's huge. If you're interested in that, I would say go back and listen to my episode with um, Lisa Hendricks and Jack um, from Fertility Friday. And um also the other thing which is the second nature to me so I just even forgot to put in my notes is that I have eliminated um as many toxins as I can from my diet we will talk about this more in another episode on your liver but your liver is essential to helping you manage endometriosis it gets rid of excess estrogen in your body estrogen will heighten can increase endometriosis growth and um people with endometriosis often have um, estrogen dominance. Chemicals will overburden your liver, which means your liver will put getting rid of excess estrogen on the back burner and will focus more on getting the chemicals because they're, more, they're worse for your body. And also certain chemicals like dioxins have been, have been associated with um, reproductive health issues. And if you're interested in that, go back very far and listen to my episode um, with Megan Cleary. Yeah, so I switched to natural beauty products, natural skincare, um, and all of our like detergents and washing up liquids and stuff. They are like um, natural products. So I'm going to talk about that more in another episode and a way to do that like affordably um, and certainly not all at once because that could be overwhelming. But those are two other key things that I've done. So I guess to summarize, um, my healing journey has really looked like um, anti-inflammatory diet, spiritual healing. Uh, I've done quite a few different spiritual healing things, not just spiritual healing, though. Like, I don't know what you would call like how you would classify mindfulness. But, you know, I've done Reiki. I've done mindfulness. Um, I've done different like energy healing. I've gone to lots of workshops and soul searching classes. I'm going to do a whole other episode on this because there's just so much to it. But yeah, so there's kind of like a spiritual healing, personal development side of things. So anti-inflammatory diet, spiritual healing, it's personal development. Changing jobs, I'm going to include that because it was part of changing my lifestyle. Then taking the correct supplements to support my body. Starting to work with my cycle, both understanding my cycle, eating for my, I'm an eating for my cycle. And now like biohacking. Um, oh, and, re and removing toxins from my system. And mm, exercise has been like a big part of this actually. But it hasn't been, it's not been something that I've managed to like keep up with. Like I will go through like a couple of months where I'm like really big on exercise. And then I'll go through a couple of months when I'm not. And that's not good because the benefits of exercise are huge. But I mean, I guess the key thing is, is I, I feel more energized when I exercise and I feel um, more positive mentally and I feel stronger. I feel like I'm more capable. I, I see that my body is capable of more when I'm exercising. And I think that's it. It makes me feel more energized. It makes me feel more positive And I see that I'm stronger. Oh, and it helps reduce my stress levels. So... It is a really, really key part and I encourage you to look into the types of movement that feel good for you. But because it's always kind of been something that I've continuously tried to do and I've fallen off and on the wag off and on the wagon with it, it just hasn't been like I just haven't seen it as such a key part of my healing. Um so I'll do another episode on that. Like what I what I do, like how I exercise. But um really the others are have been the key components, but I do encourage that movement is part of your key key ways to heal. So yeah, I hope that's been helpful. Um, I just want to say, you know, this is how I've done it. 
we're all different what works for me might not work for you none of this is supposed to replace your medical treatment or um replace the advice of your doctor and if you can get the help of a professional when making these decisions like a nutritionist you know that really is the best um but all of the references that i've talked to talked about the books etc i'm going to put in the show notes so you can do your own research but if you can afford to get a professional to help you i think that's you know that's going to be an easier way to do it and also you're not going to be kind of making any mistakes which could be detrimental to your health just obviously do what feels right for you um and i hope that what my i hope my journey can inspire your journey and yeah i look forward to speaking to you again next week thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what i do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um you can head to my instagram page which is this underscore endolife um you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website um i've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that i um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world Thank you.